you. <laughs> Sit down. Y'all just say, wait, we're just family, okay? Let's just be family. Let's get over all this first-time stuff because it makes me too nervous, okay? But uh, before I speak, I am very excited to have some friends here from Sacramento. Um, Ellington and Tawana um, are here visiting. Well, they're here for a, a wedding. Um, uh, their last name is Porter. And um, they are worship leaders, pastors, um, uh, community leaders. Uh, they help lead our MLK service that we do in Sacramento. And they have graciously de um, decided to come and be a part of uh, today's service. And so um, we're going to have them sing. So I'm just telling y'all, just get ready, okay? Just get ready. So let's, let's, let's honor them like you just honored me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, um, Mrs. H and President, <laughs> President H. How y'all doing? Y'all good? All right, can we give God a praise in here? Come on, come on, come on! He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy. That's my husband, Pastor E, and I'm Lady T. And I just want to give y'all an old school hymn. Is that all right? We serve an amazing God. And he's an amazing savior. So I just want to leave this with you all. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Praise God. Come on and sing it with me. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, one more time, all over the room, 
Lift up your voice and say, praise God. Praise God. Come on, praise him. Praise God. Praise God. He's worthy to be praised. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise, praise God. 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 Hallelujah. Come on and give God a praise. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, I wish I could sing like that. I got to stick to my giftings. I am excited, excited, excited. Uh, somewhat nervous, but mostly excited to be preaching today to you all. And, um, but first, I wanted to do something right before I start. And I want all the men of God to stand in the room. All the men of God. Come on. You're like, is that me? You are a man of God. I just want you to know. I just want to speak something into your life. I have been so impressed by the passion with which you worship. You know, I've been in a lot of churches, and there is a real sense of aloofness and lax and disinterest when it comes to men worshiping. And I am so blessed by your passion and your desire to seek God, whether you're headbanging, whether you're jumping, whatever it is that you do, you are going the extra mile to, to discover God in a new way. You know, the Bible says in um, John 9, he says, God listens to the godly man who worships and does his will. And I just want to encourage you, and I want to speak life into you, and I want to speak destiny into you that you, this generation, is going to go out and is going to change the culture of men of God worshiping in our churches in this nation. Amen? So I want you to receive that, and I want you to take it seriously, because what you're doing draws the ear of God into your life. Amen? You can sit down. So I just uh, got back from Brazil. You all know I was there for about 24 days because my husband was just about going nuts, um, not being around me. <laughs> but I was with my daughter, and so we had a new baby, and that was awesome. But yes, little Olivia Ann, she's a little peach. Um, but I've been, I was there for 24 days, which means I was in a land that only speaks mostly Portuguese, and I don't speak Portuguese, I speak English. So 
I didn't really get to use up my September quota of words, so I have a lot of talking to do in order to catch up because I could not interact with anybody. Has anybody ever been in an environment like that? I could talk to my daughter. I could talk to my son-in-law, maybe a couple, three other, probably on one, maybe one and a half hands, the people I could actually have a conversation with. I couldn't impart anything. I couldn't share anything. I couldn't add to the conversation. It was so frustrating. And you know, when you're in that kind of situation, uh, my daughter uh, ordered me a two-hour massage. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? It was glorious. But at the same time, it was super frustrating because this lady, I was, so I was there with her by myself without Jocelyn there to interpret or anything. She just could not get it through her head that I could not understand her. She knew I didn't speak Portuguese, but she could not fathom that I literally did not know what she was saying. And so we spent a very frustrating, mentally, two hours trying to, you know, you're, you're doing all these, you know, trying to get, you know, sounds like, you know, trying to point and, and doing all these crazy maneuvers to try to communicate, and it just wasn't working. And, but she continued to try. So by the t- it was hilarious. By the time I got done, I was exhausted. I felt relaxed, but I was exhausted mentally because she just kept talking to me, and then you feel obligated to try to figure out what she's saying, you know. And so, but I thought about that later on. I thought about how God and, and the, the, the church, how many times we struggle communicating with God, that almost we, figure, we feel like we are talking two different languages, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating to so many people who cannot figure out how to interact with God, because how many know God is a God of interaction? He wants engagement. There is purpose for everything that he has given to us. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about Genesis 28, if you have your Bibles, the story of Jacob's dream. Um, I've been doing a study on the presence of God for several years now, off and on, just really trying to discover the various aspects of the presence of God and how he um, works and how he interacts and how we're supposed to respond to it. You know, we all know that, that we have the indwelling presence of God inside of us, right? That's one thing that we do know. Um, but his presence is always with us. But his presence also, the Bible talks about it in Colossians chapter 1. It says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So literally what that means is that the atmosphere of the world, our galaxies and everything, is held together by his presence If he were to jet out and just say, forget it, I'm done with you, abandon us, we would explode. We would like just fall apart, disappear, because his presence is what holds everything together. Everything you see here is being held together because of his presence in our lives. So that powerful presence, we know the indwelling presence of God, um, the Christ in us, the hope of glory. But then we also know that there's a manifest presence, a tangible presence, one that we felt here this morning as we worshiped and as Tawana sang the Holy Spirit into the room. Amen? And um, so there's that manifest that, co- where, that we feel and we sense in corporate worship where we can literally taste, sometimes we can smell, sometimes we can hear um, the presence of God. And so there's so many different aspects to the presence of God, but 
a lot of times we can be completely unaware that, of what God is doing and of the power and the purpose of his activity and his presence, the activity of his presence inside of us. Because we don't really understand how his presence works in our lives. We are disciples of Christ. We have the indwelling presence of God. The Holy Spirit um, resides inside of us. But what does it mean and what do we do with it? This is something I've discovered in really in my later life. I feel like I've wasted so much time because I didn't understand how to utilize the presence of God in my life in a very tangible way. Remember, because this is, the, this is a, a truth, God's purposes in your life is not just for you. You know that phrase, it's not about you? Well, here we go again. It's just not about you. His purposes in your life is not just for you, but it's for you to affect the world around you. You are here for the world around you as a believer in Christ. And so in Genesis 23, we're going to talk about, um, it gives us some insight into some of the answers, and we're going to go a little bit deeper so that we can have a better grasp, maybe a visual, of what the presence of God um, is, the purpose of the presence of God um, and how we are to engage with it. And so here we find Jacob, and he's on the road, and he's literally, he's running away. So what has happened is we know Jacob, uh, dece- the deceiver, the heel grabber, the usurper, the one who's trying to get what is not his in the natural, um, Jacob and Esau, uh, born to Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob has just deceived his father into giving him the birthright and the blessing that Esau is supposed to get, okay? So he's stolen, he's deceived with the help of his mom, um, and he's just really in a bad place. And so Esau is so angry that he's looking to kill uh, Jacob. And so Rebecca says, uh, Isaac, we need to send this kid away. Why don't you go tell him to go find a wife? I don't know why he chose, she chose that this would be a good time to go find a wife, but that was the reason she gave. So go find a wife at your uncle's house. You need to get out of here. You need to go far away from this place. Otherwise, you're not going to be around because your brother is looking to take you down. So this is not a real good moment in Jacob's life. But I really love how God responds to this, um, this time in Jacob's life because um, here he is running away. He's deceived. He stole. He's, um, he's just done all of this stuff that is negative and bad, and God meets him. How many know that's an encouragement to you and I? doesn't matter what you've done, but God's going to meet you because he doesn't leave you or forsake you. He never stops pursuing you. And so the story opens for us where Jacob is on the way. He's right in the middle of escaping his past and stepping into his destiny. He, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where maybe you kind of blew it in the environment that you were in? Maybe you kind of like offended people or you dissed some people or you, you just messed up, made some mistakes and you just kind of needed to get out of that place and start afresh. Maybe coming to North Central was your escape. And you're, you're saying, now I'm here. I want to go and do everything for God. I, I don't want to even face what was yesterday. I want to go for God and be everything that God has for me. 
That's kind of where Jacob is. And I'm sure that Jacob at this moment in time was kind of feeling a little bit unsure. He was kind of curious and confused, not really sure what was going to happen, what it was going to look like. But he is on the way. And, and um, don't you know that God does some of his best work on the way? Doesn't God do some of his best? Even, even when I'm traveling and I'm, I, I take off in that airplane, there's something about being up in the air on the way that I can hear God better. It's like I left all of the burdens, all of the responsibilities at home. Before I get to that next place where I have to do something, I can hear God and I can produce and I can um, read and I can write and I can listen to the voice of God. Something happens. God does his best word. He always speaks to me when I'm on the way. And so um, Jacob stops for the night right in the middle of this journey, and he pulls up a rock and he goes to sleep. He uses a rock for a pillow, which is kind of interesting. But he has this crazy dream, probably because he had a rock for a pillow. But um, he had a crazy dream. Has anybody ever had a crazy dream? We call them pizza dreams, right? I had a, I had a crazy dream last night, and I didn't have pizza. I had tacos, so I guess this was a taco dream. Um, but literally, it was the weirdest dream. I don't usually remember my dreams, but last night was so weird. We were in I was under the water, me and Kramer and Kramer's two sons-to-be that he's going to, um, when he gets married, and we were like under the water hiding, kind of like f- the movie Finding Nemo, and you see that the boats are, are going away, you know, and you're under the water, and, and you're seeing the boats go away. I, that's what we were doing, and we were like um, escaping from bad guys under the, in the ocean, under the water, me, Kramer, Zachy, and Elias, and... So the, the bad guys got away, and somehow we got out, and then suddenly we were in a line with my nephew, Ben, which is so random. And um, then we, were, we walk in, and we're in a house, and there's ants all over the house. That's all I remember. <laughs> that was last night. That was my, my taco dream, and I was like, okay, well, thank you, God, for giving me a, you know, just an analogy that I could use today. Um, I've had crazy dreams. I've had crazy prophetic dreams um, that were so weird I had to just, it woke me up and I just had to write it down because I said, this is, nobody's ever going to believe this, but it turned out to be a prophetic dream. But this is a God dream that, that um, Jacob had, a prophetic dream, and it was right, happened right in the middle of this journey where he is running from what was and running to something new, and God shows up because sometimes when you are on that journey, you just need a word, don't you? Sometimes you just need to hear from God when you're on the way. Sometimes you need that encouragement. You need some truth spoken over you when you're on the way. Amen? Come on, is anybody with me today? Sometimes when you have left something and you've made mistakes and you, you see that, that God is working in you, sometimes you just need that spoken word over you, that re- reaffirmation of your identity, to tell you who you really are, not what you've done, but who you really are. That's what's going on here. God shows up in the midst of his running, and he speaks life. And it's in Genesis 28, we're going to start in verse 10. And this is the stories. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place where he put and put it under his head, and he lay down in that place. 
And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and the top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, um, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And you will, and in you and in your descendants shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And He said, I was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Isn't that a strange dream? But it's one that Jacob, that really encouraged Jacob, and it really um, encouraged him that he was on the right track because God was speaking truth to him. And it reaffirmed the truth of his destiny and really of our destiny. So I'm going to talk about this and how it pertains to us. This is the first time that the phrase the house of God is used. Now bear with me. I'm going to give you a little bit of understanding as to why this is so significant. This is the first time that the house of God phrase has been, is used in the Bible. And when that ever happens, there's a principle that goes into, the, into effect called the law of first mention. And whenever you have something, a significant idea for the first time in Scripture, i.e. the house of God, you have to look at the characteristics that's explained around it. You have to understand the framework because it carries more weight than it does in the rest of the Bible. And it sets a standard for a subject that will be supported in the rest of Scripture. So we, what are the characteristics of the house of God? What, did, what was it that Jacob saw? First of all, he saw the heavens were opened, right? That was one characteristic. Angels were ascending and descending, so there was supernatural activity constantly happening um, at the house of God. And the third thing was the voice of God was declaring covenant and reaffirming his identity, saying, I am with you, you are blessed, declaring God's promises over him and his inheritance, showing him his future and his destiny. That's what was happening here. That's what he saw. Those are the characteristics. So how does that relate to us? Well, let's fast forward now. Let's look into the New Testament. Luke chapter 3, okay? It says, now when all of the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now this right here is the initial fulfillment of Jacob's dream in Genesis 28. That's the New Testament version of Jacob's dream in, in um, Genesis 28. So here you have the same characteristics of the house of God now found in Christ. Jesus is baptized. The heavens are open. The spirit is descending on the son of man. He hears the voice of God. Jesus, who was fully God yet functioning as a man, receives the spirit of God into himself, the indwelling presence of God, becoming the house of God as a man. Very significant for us. 
Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man in John 1.51. He says, you will do greater things than this. I tell you the truth. You shall see the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And then John 14 says this, where there's a transfer made. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I go to the Father. So that which was transferred onto Jesus has now been transferred onto every believer. Christ in us. What does that mean? What can we learn from that? Number one, we are the house of God. We are the house of God. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That means wherever we go, wherever we go, we carry the authority and the influence of the kingdom of God with us. Wherever we go, when I walk into a room, I don't have to pray for something. I bring it with me. Okay? That means when I walk into a room, the environment changes because I am coming with the, with the kingdom of God that all of heaven is coming with me. That's what that means. The influence and the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That happens through us. Where do you think that comes from? We're the ones, we are the conduit that brings the realm of heaven onto earth. So whenever you walk into the room, you got to know what you carry. This transformed my life. This transformed my, my thinking when I began to really meditate on the idea of the interaction that God wants me to have with him by making me the house and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So those characteristics, what does that mean for me and you? That means that I have an open heaven over me. You have an open heaven over you. What does that mean for you? That means that you don't operate in lack. You operate in abundance. Everything that you bring in is from heaven. It's not from this earth. So that means you don't have to struggle with anxiety or depression because God is our joy and God is our peace and that's what is inside of you. You don't have to pray for that. That's what you already have. It's inside of you. You have an open heaven over you. All of the resources of heaven are available. Number two is you have supernatural activity. Angels ascending and descending. That's, what, that's supernatural activity going on. It's happening all around you. You've got angels working on your behalf. You've got the Holy Spirit energizing the environment that you're in. You've got the Holy Spirit ministering to people that you haven't even come in contact with yet, but you've just entered into the place. The Holy Spirit is working on your behalf. You are never alone. And God is always speaking. The voice of God is there. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing what he's speaking to you, or are you listening to what the world is telling you? Because he's always declaring covenant. He's always speaking inheritance. He's always speaking who you really are. He's reminding you of what you have. We are the house of God. And number two, he says this interesting thing. We are the gateway, the gate of heaven. He says, through us, the power of heaven is brought to earth. And we're almost done here. Gates are transition points. 
You know, you go from the front yard to the backyard. You go from the inside to the outside. You go from one realm to the other. A gate is an entrance to all that is in the city. That's literally what gate means, an entrance to all that is in the city. So that means that the wealth of heaven comes through us to this earth. So everything you need, whether it is provision, food, clothing, tools, justice, intellect, uh, creativity, it's all found on the other side of that gate. All that is in the city, all that is in heaven is accessible to you. So what's the point here? Jacob said, you know what? Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware. I didn't know. We have to become aware. We have to understand and know what God has given us and walk accordingly. We have to understand that his unlimited power, his supernatural ability, his complete provision is all at our disposal because all of heaven is at our disposal. We are the carriers of the presence and the power of God into this world, into your world so that you can affect your world. You are never in just in a place. No, you always have a purpose because wherever you go, you're bringing all of heaven with you. It's a powerful, present truth that we need to grab hold of. This life we have in Christ is far more powerful and far more interactive than I believe a lot of of us really um, understand and utilize. If you will get this at your age, Instead of waiting until later in life when I really began to understand how God wants to utilize um, the relationship, you will see great, incredible things happen. We are the gateway between two worlds, the earthly realm and the heavenly realm. And you know what? We have so much, we struggle so much with being earthly minded. We need to become more heavenly minded. Amen? Because when we're earthly minded, that's when we get stuck in those things of depression and anxiety and fear. And I struggled with that insecurity, feeling like I didn't have any worth. I wasn't enough. I didn't measure up. All of that earthly mindedness. When I discovered and heard this um, truth and it became revelation in my spirit, I had to go repent. Because I have been too earthly minded. I said, God, help me become more heavenly-minded, understanding what it is that I have inside of me and what it is that my purpose of being on this earth is not just for me, but it's to affect everything around me. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to go into a time of prayer and fasting. And if you have been too earthly-minded... You need to come and repent before the Lord. The minute you do and you begin to clear out all of that earthly thinking, I'm telling you, you're going to start hearing the voice of the Lord. You're going to start feeling his presence. You're going to start knowing where he wants you to go, who he wants you to touch, who he wants you to pray for. That fear is going to drop off of you if you will become more heavenly minded than earthly minded. Amen. And I want to pray over you because With all of the things that are going on in this world, we have to be secure in understanding who we are as believers. If we do not solidify this place inside of us, what is that indwelling presence of God and what is the purpose of it? It's going to, the world's going to take us down. So let's pray. God, I pray today. Father, for every student here, every adult here, Lord God, I pray that your presence will be so impacting into their lives, that this revelation will get deep inside. 
Lord, that we will understand, God, how, how to interact with you in a deeper way, that we will hear your voice. We will become more heavenly-minded, God, and we will let go of the things that this world is trying to tell us and trying to bombard us with, God. We will understand that we are children of the Most High God, that we have been given everything that God is and everything that heaven is accessible to us, that we have not been left un, um, without any lack, God, but we will operate in abundance, in truth, in joy, in, in peace, in long-suffering, in goodness, in kindness. It's all available to us, God. Lord, I just pray blessing upon us today and revelation, Lord God, in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you want to come and begin to pray and ask the Lord for a revelation of that, I'm going to hand it over to Doug. Amen. Would you appreciate...